Kate Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 3, Episode 1. In the show, we like to visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. And, listeners, that's a promise we're going to certainly keep in this show. Before we start, do remember any resources or references we mention in this episode, you can find those in the show notes at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 301. I can't wait to jump into this exciting third series of our podcasts. Imagine we are on to series three already. We have some super podcasts lined up for you in this series, and we're delighted to have your company along with us on the Letter from Ireland show. Today, I'd like to begin by asking you a question. Do any of your ancestors hail from County Roscommon in the northwest of Ireland? If so, we have a treat in store for you because today we'd like to share a recent trip we made to County Roscommon and a visit that we made there to an amazing house called Strokestown Park House. This was once a stronghold of the O'Connor chieftains. However, the lands were given to the Mahan family in the 1600s and it remained in that family till it was bought recently by a local businessman, Jim Callery. And he has helped keep the house in its original state and open to the public. It's a wonderful Georgian Palladian mansion with its original furnishings and fabrics and home to the National Famine Museum. Now, how has this fine mansion become home to the Famine Museum? This will all be revealed as you listen on. We were very fortunate to speak to John O'Driscoll of the Irish Heritage Trust, who manages the house, and you'll get to hear from him later on in the podcast too. The stories linked to this house are fascinating, and I hope you enjoy discovering all about it in our show today. Our visit to Strokestown House struck a chord with Mike, and it was the subject of one of his weekly letters from Ireland. So, to set the scene, let's begin by reading that letter, and he asked the question, what would you do if you were in this situation? So I'd like to ask you that you ask yourself that question as you listen to the letter. Here goes with the letter. A couple of weeks ago, we were on an Irish road trip around the northwest counties of the island. One of the most striking locations was a place called Strokestown Park House in County Roscommon. And that's the focus of our letter today. The Strokestown estate sits in the middle of 11,000 acres of the rolling hillside of County Roscommon. Today, the beautiful house and stables, which houses the Irish Famine Museum, are open to the public. This house was built about 1735 on land granted to the Mahan family in 1653, It was a grand house and it must have been the scene of many major social occasions within that county. However, by the time the Great Famine arrived in 1845, the population in Roscommon and much of Ireland had swollen to unsustainable levels. There was about one person per acre on the estate. 
Not only that, but following years of neglect and mismanagement by absentee landlords, the estate was over £30,000 in debt. The estate was then inherited by Major Dennis Mahon. Major Mahon was, as before, another absentee landlord. The day-to-day affairs of the estate were handled by his land agent. As the famine gained a grip on the surrounding countryside, the ability of the tenants to pay any sort of rent to their landlord quickly vanished. Major Dennis Mahon had to make some hard decisions with the help of his land agent, John Ross Mahon. They needed to clear the land of some of the worst tenants, those who looked as if they would never improve the land or be able to pay their rent. After some investigation, they calculated that it would cost about £11,000 each year to maintain these worst cases in the local workhouse. A cheaper option was to fund a one-off emigration scheme to move them to new lands in Quebec in what is now Canada. In either case, the land would be partially cleared and then it could be divided among the remaining more productive tenants. Seems like a business problem, doesn't it? Now, what would you do if you were in Major Dennis Mann's situation? Would you move the worst tenants to the nearby workhouse or move them to a new country or maybe something else? Well, in May 1847, 1,490 of the tenants of Strokestone Park started down the pathway beside the Royal Canal. Their destination was the port of Dublin, which was about four days walk away. And from there, they would go to Liverpool, wait for about a week and then board four ships for the voyage to Quebec. They were accompanied by the bailiff to ensure that they all made their way to Liverpool. However, these people were already weakened from months of malnourishment before setting off on that long walk. Can you imagine how vulnerable they were as they arrived in Liverpool, a city already host to many outbreaks of cholera and typhus? The families were loaded onto four ships in Liverpool, the Naomi, the John Munn, the Ernst Queen and the Virginius. Their first port of call was to be the quarantine island of Grosseil on the St. Lawrence River in Quebec. It turned out that Major Mahan's agent had looked to save as much money as possible on this emigration scheme, and he had reserved the cheapest boats with the most meagre of rations and medical support for the passengers. These ships, carrying the ex-tenants of Strokestown Park, had the dubious honour of being the first named as coffin ships during the Great Famine. For example, the Virginius, initially carrying 496 passengers, arrived in Grosseil having lost 158 passengers during the passage or shortly afterwards. The number of deaths on the other ships were in similar proportions. Upon their arrival at the quarantine island, Dr. George Douglas, a medical superintendent, described the Strokestown Park emigrants as ghastly yellow-looking spectres, unshaven and hollow-cheeked, and without exception, the worst-looking passengers I have ever seen. Not more than six or eight were really healthy and able to exert themselves. Today, many of these people are remembered on the memorial wall 
On the island of Grosseil, it includes surnames from Strokestown Park such as Bernie, Brennan, Conboy, Connolly, Connor, Cunningham, Dolan, Donnellan, Duffy, Farrell, Feeney, Flanagan, Gilleran, Hanley, Hayden, Healy, Higgins, Kenny, Lyons, Mannion, McDermott, MacDonald, McHugh, Mullally, Murray, Owens, Reynolds, Rogers, Ryan, Sharkey, Whelan, and many, many more. Are any of your Irish surnames here? Uh, do let us know on a letter from Ireland.com forward slash 301. We'd love to know. In November of 1847, Major Dennis Mahan was assassinated when travelling back to Stokestown Park. It was the first landlord killing of the famine, and it's believed that it was in direct response to the news of the high mortality rate reaching the remaining tenants back on his land. After Mahan died, his daughter Grace vowed to never return to Strokestown. However, the eviction of tenants continued for many years after the end of the famine. Strokestown Park was improved over time and remained in the hands of the Mahan family until 1979. At that point, the house and gardens were sold to a local businessman who intended to develop it as a luxury hotel. However, when tidying up the house, the new owner came across many, many thousands of documents relating to the history of Strokestown Park and County Roscommon. Many telling the stories of gentry, officials and tenants at the time of the famine. As a result, the house was kept in its original state and the National Famine Museum was established in the old stables. It is a wonderful place to visit now. The countryside is lovely and the house stands as a beautiful reminder of how a small minority once lived. As you make your way around the Famine Museum in the stables, you will quickly become aware of the stories of so many of the individuals who lived on this land at such a terrible time for many of our shared ancestors. How about yourself? Did any of your Irish ancestors leave during the time of the famine? And do you think maybe that their experiences were similar to the tenants of Strokestown Park? Do let us know on a letter from Ireland.com forward slash 301. Well, next up, I'd like to bring you with us on our visit to Strokestown. As we entered the village, we were immediately struck by an imposing entrance taking up all one end of the town. And this was our first glimpse of Strokestown Park House. If the entrance was anything to go by, we were in for a treat. And as we drove up the winding road, the house revealed itself through the trees. We were fortunate when we got there to get to chat with John O'Driscoll. He's the manager of Strokestown Park House and works for the Irish Heritage Trust. So, who better to tell us more about Strokestown's history? As I chat with John in front of the impressive house, listen out again for the event as John describes it when Jim Callery makes his magical discovery in the old house and the reason why Strokestown Park House is now home today to the Irish Famine Museum too. 
We're here in County Roscommon in a fabulous location for Strokestown Park House and I'm with John O'Driscoll who's the general manager here for the Irish Heritage Trust. Is that right John? Yes that's right Karina. So John can you tell me a little bit about this house here and uh, maybe the family that lived here? Yes of course I suppose to begin with we go right back to the middle of the 1600s. The Mahans were granted lands here in Strokestown about 300 acres of land. That estate grew substantially and it were by the time pre-famine it was up to 30,000 acres through marriage wow. and through connections. Here so a really Strokestown. big estate here. A really really big estate. Um, I suppose to highlight the, the most notable part of the history is the famine here. We, we are home to the Irish National Famine Museum and that's almost ironic that here is the Irish National Famine Museum sh sitting in the shadow of the big house. So you have this upstairs downstairs mm. type of so scenario going on here. Two very different stories yes. sitting next to each other but totally linked. Yes. We, we come to the time of the famine 1845 Major Dennis Mahan inherited Strokestown Park he inherited a debt-ridden estate, the beginning of the Great Irish Famine, many rent strikes. What was he to do? Well, the first thing that happened was his daughter, Grace Catherine, married Henry Sanford Packenham, relations of Lord Longford, the Duke of Wellington. That's when the lands went up to 30,000 acres. Ah, so then you had the Packenham-Mahan connection. mahan from then on, okay. and then changed. Yeah. And then I think the next thing that Dennis did was not so great, really. Um, we have the document in the Famine Museum in... Um, on a, it's it's a, on show in the family museum an agent was brought in to advise I suppose you could nearly call him a consultant to advise okay. on the running of the estate John he, Ross Mahon. he was really in debt at this stage he was and he needed someone to come up with and the idea. tenants were very poor and there was no way of getting money no money coming in at all the advice he was given was emigration on an extensive scale, clear your lands. Dennis took up this advice and during the Great Irish Famine, mass eviction followed on this estate. At one point he chartered famine ships and he gathered here in the town of Strokesound 1,490 of his tenants. Almost 1,500, Almost 1500 tenants were gathered from here. Yeah. Just here. this estate alone? From this estate alone. Ah. He gathered them here and he walked them from Strokesound to Dublin along the Royal Canal. In Dublin, they were put onto ships and shipped to Liverpool, and from Liverpool to Quebec. And by the time they arrived at the quarantine station on the island of Grosseal, just outside of Quebec, less than 700 people had survived the journey. More than half had died. Oh. Shortly after this, November of that year, 1847, Major Dennis Mahan was returning to his estate after a meeting in Roscommon Town, and just on the outskirts of his estate, in the townland of Doherty, not too far from here, here, he was assassinated. The first landlord assassinated in Ireland during the famine and we're standing outside his house now. So I imagine there was a lot of ill will when people discovered that their families that had been emigrated forcibly really yeah. had died yeah. on the way when word to Canada. Came back, you can imagine the shock and we know that one of the ships got lost at sea. Word had come back that it had sank and that everybody had died on that ship. Um, it did come in, it came in very very late into, into Grosseal uh, and there was a massive number of deaths on that ship. So it, uh, truly tragic circumstances, people hearing this news, the people 
that they just sent off for a new life or who had gone to start a new yes. life were now dead. Dead, yes. Never to be seen again. So Dennis was assassinated. His daughter was on her honeymoon on the Isle of Wight when this happened. She never set foot in Stroke Sound again. Was that the end of the families living here at that point? No. There was a little gap from about 1847 up until 1890. Grace Catherine's son, Henry Packenham Mahan, came back to live here and it was his daughter, Olive Packenham Mahan, who sold the estate in 1979 to Jim Callery of the Westward Garage, a local businessman. Jim's garage was just outside of the estate wall. This is kind of the modern history, yes, I suppose you're yes, But it's yes. a very important part the of the story. The story comes yeah. full circle back into the community Completely. again. His garage premises were just outside of the estate wall. In 1979, Jim secured the dealership for Scania. All Scania trucks and coaches for Ireland come through strokes on a huge deal. Yes. He didn't have enough room around his garage. He approached Olive asking would she sell a couple of acres of land. Scania was coming. And Olive said no. The estate had gone from 30,000 acres and was now down to 300 acres directly around the house and she did not want to see it get any smaller. Okay. Jim was notified after this that the family were putting the house and lands, the complete estate, up for auction in London. He flew to London and he ended up buying the lot. Okay. Jim being a businessman, he's the first one he will tell you it made no financial sense. He was going to take the land he needed, concentrate on his truck deal and possibly and sell off the let, rest. Le- let the rest, yeah. The money back. Yes, yes. He made an arrangement that Olive could stay on in the house. One weekend she was going away to London and he said, do you mind if I go in and have a look through the place? She said, you own it. And on that weekend, going through this house, he came across a room stacked from floor to ceiling, boxes of documents the estate archive. He couldn't but have a look and when he did he realised a lot of these documents dated to the period of the Great Irish Famine. Oh, Immediately he knew how trove. important this was. A huge yes. collection. So you here now have these documents on yes. display in the Famine yes. Museum part of the of the house here. Yeah. Some of the documents are, are on show in yes. the museum. Some of yes. them are digitised on screens in the museum and we have lots more. We're currently we're raising funds to hire an archivist here that will work totally on the archive that oh. we have. It's safe, it's in temperature and humidity controlled rooms, yes. uh, totally safe. We're minding it at the moment. To keep it. To keep it. Yeah. But there was a little miracle that day, going back to that day that Jim walked through the house. Yes. 55,000 documents of varying sizes in the collection. The third piece of paper he picked up, we have it in the museum, yes. we call it the Clunahy Petition. The tenants of a small townland called Clunahy near Elfin were writing to the landlord asking for help for famine relief work. They say we cannot withstand the cries of our families from hunger. Yes. And then there was a threat in the letter, which was very unusual. We are not for turning against the laws of God or the land unless pressed to by hunger. And they wrote hunger in capital letters. So really at a desperation. Desperation at this stage. Jim Callery grew up in this this townland. He still lives in that townland today. That was his own townland. His own townland, his own history was holding in his hands. changed everything. He said we have to preserve what we've got there and the famine museum was created, the house was open to the public and Strokesound Park followed on as it is today. Well listen John, you have a big job in your hands here but thank you so much for taking time to talk to us at your Irish Heritage. You're very welcome. Thank Julia. you John. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Well it was great speaking with John and wasn't he a fund of information? And wasn't it amazing that the treasure trove of documents relating to the Irish famine fell into the right hands and the third piece of paper out of thousands of documents that Jim Callery picked up that day was, as John O'Driscoll put it, 
a piece of his own history that he ended up holding in his hands. Well, as you can imagine, we were now very curious to see inside this famous house. And so when John offered to show us around, we gladly took up his offer. Our first impressions on entering the hall was as if the owner had just stepped out of the room. The grand house, while having a look of faded grandeur, was very lived in and comfortable, just as if Olive was still in residence. John explained to us that this was just what they wanted in this restoration project, not a pristine house, but keeping it as it would have looked, showing how difficult it had been to keep these grand houses from falling into disrepair as the fortunes of the owners declined too. However, it was the large kitchen layout that brought a smile to my face as another unusual event, this time a thoughtful architect, saved the house once again so that we could see it as it was in all its glory. Why don't I let John explain what happened here one day to save this original kitchen at Strokestown? So this is the kitchen in Strokestown House. It is, and it's a very important kitchen. It's the last of its type fully intact in this country, a Richard Castle's galleried kitchen, where the lady of the house never came into the kitchen. She and stood she, on her gallery above. She travelled on the gallery here. Could and drop her menus and instructions down to cook. She could also just supervise from up there. Bring ladies from other big houses onto her gallery. This was a status symbol to have a kitchen like this in your country house. Fantastic. But as time went on, yes. it was impractical. Like who could be lighting all these ranges every day? So they set up a smaller kitchen in the basement. This would have been maybe 19... 30s, 1940s even, yeah. uh, but then there was a little accident, the poor cook come up and down the steps, fell on the steps, so they decided they needed to create a new kitchen in here. So they hired a young lady architect and asked her to take all of this out and build a new kitchen into the stone. Kind of, they liked the stone arches, but thank goodness that architect said, no, no, she could never do that to such a beautiful old kitchen. So what she did, she built a false wall in front of everything and a false ceiling to the end of the gallery and built a new kitchen inside this box, as she described it. So when work began here in the restoration project, sledgehammers were taken out, holes broke, heads put through, and there it was, covered in cobwebs and grime. So the, the whole kitchen was, was revealed. It was all just sitting there, and the architect, she had taken loads of the copper pots and pans and equipment and wrapped them up in newspaper and kept them safely in behind, waiting for the day to come that the kitchen will be revealed. That's a wonderful story, John. <laughs> just one of the many here. You have to agree that that was a wonderful story. And Strokestown House was fortunate that the young lady architect refused to remove the old castle's gallery kitchen. And what foresight she had too, to wrap up all the pots and pans and keep them safely hidden behind the false partition till the old kitchen was once more revealed. Could you imagine being lady of the house and walking along the gallery that runs up high over the kitchen, dropping down the menu to the cook below and never having to step inside your own kitchen? Well, it really was an upstairs-downstairs life at that time in Strokestown. But money troubles at the time of the famine in 1847 led to the forced eviction of all those tenants from the estate. And a while back, Mike was on the canal along where these emigrants walked on their way to Dublin, Liverpool and Quebec. And finally, some of them ended up in Montreal. But awfully, more than half died on the journey. 
famine ships really were aptly named as coffin ships. If you ever pass by that way, look out for a pair of shoes placed there on the side of the canal in memory of those poor people. Let's go to the canal side now and have a listen as Mike tells us some more of these people's story. Okay, so we're here at uh, the Royal Canal here in Abbey Shrule in County Westmeath. It's a beautiful day as you can see. The birds are singing away in the background, the grass is freshly cut. And um, this particular canal ran all the way from Dublin city all the way over to the Shannon River, further, a little bit further west where we are at the moment. In fact, I remember as a young fella playing on the uh, 12th Lock and going diving and swimming in the 12th Lock and looking on the exact same Royal Canal. So, um, yeah, so it's a beautiful day here today. But going back to 1847, there was a point when Strokestown House, which is a presently the Fan Museum down in County Roscommon, just a little bit down the way there, uh, Major Man, I think it was, yeah, Major Man, gave his tenants the choice, because he was clearing his land, of staying in the land and starving, or taking assisted passage to uh, the United States. So um, essentially about 1,040 of his tenants walked along this passageway here, towards Dublin, the 1,040 who chose to leave and uh, many of them actually died along the way and never made as far as Dublin. Word got back later, just what happened, and man was actually shot dead and I suppose to this day it remains one of the most infamous incidents around the time of the famine, land clearances and so on. So, um, you know, I suppose basically when you stand here on an engineering marvel like this, you think of the stories associated with it, again on a beautiful day like today, you don't really kind of think of, you know, bad times like that. But, you know, on a day like today, it's just possible to forget a lot of them. On the letter from Ireland and in the green room, we have made connections with many people whose families came from Strokestown originally. Today, one of our Green Room members from County Roscommon is living on PEI and is friendly with a family member of the Pakenham Mahan, original family from Strokestown. And when we were on the Irish Ancestry Trail in Canada a while back, we visited a monument called the Black Rock. And this monument is on the highway in Montreal and was placed there by the Irish working on the bridge all those years ago in memory of their fellow immigrants who never made it to a new life in a new world. But just this morning, I had an email from none other than the brother of that young lady architect who saved Strokestown Kitchen all those years ago. Now, what do you think of that? All I can say is it's a very small world we live in. We left Strokestown House on that day with very mixed emotions. Some parts of our history are very difficult to relive, but we were honoured to walk in the footsteps of our ancestors. And at Strokestown, we got a glimpse into our collective past, the upstairs life of the rich and the downstairs lives of the normal people. It was a privilege to be able to do so. And because of the actions of Jim Callery, John O'Driscoll and the team at the Irish Heritage Trust and a horde of volunteers, Strokestown Park House and the Famine Museum will be there for generations to visit and remember the lives of our past ancestors. If you are in County Roscommon, do drop into Strokestown, visit the house, gardens, museum and why not stay for a cup of tea too. I'm sure you'll hear many more stories for yourself. 
Well, that brings us to the end of our first episode on Series 3 on the Letter from Ireland show. And now we're up and going on Series 3 and we look forward to joining you here again next week. A very warm thanks to all our friends in the Green Room and our readers on the Letter from Ireland. It's your connection, friendship and stories make it a joy to be part of this great venture that we have together. I hope all you enjoy hearing about life and perhaps enjoyed hearing about life in a small but lovely part of County Roscommon. So everybody, slán till next week, and that's goodbye in Irish. Slán galair, goodbye to you all. Remember listeners, we'd love to hear from you and you can let your comments and check out more at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 301. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. You can find full details of The Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me. And I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina. <laughs>